Hi everybody, so on today's webinar we welcome the Science and Technology Facilities Council or STFC for short. We are joined by Marta, Early Careers Resource and Partner, Graduate Narsik and interns Yash and Matthew. So thank you everybody for joining us today. Today we're going to be hearing from the panel about the recruitment process, the different projects they have worked on and much, much more. I'm going to start with you first Marta, so if you could introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit more about your role at STFC and your involvement with Early Careers. Uh, thank you for having us here today, um, Jess and Carla. Um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Marta Hone, and I'm a senior resourcing partner working in the Early Careers uh, recruitment team. As part of wide HR and talent teams, we manage large volumes um, um, early careers campaigns for SDFC and the whole of UKRI, recruiting graduates, industrial placements, and summer placement students, as well as apprentices into the organization. Um, just a little bit about us um, and UK um, um, Research and Innovation. We launched in 2018. We are a non-departmental public body sponsored by the Department for Science, Innovation and Technology. UKRI brings together nine research councils, including SDFC, Medical Research Council, Research England and Innovate UK, to name a few. Through research grants, we work with stakeholders to understand the opportunities and requirements of all areas of research and innovation. Um, SDFC, the Science and Technology Facilities Council, as part of UKRI, is a world leader in research, innovation and skills. The work our scientists, technologists, engineers and business support teams undertake is focused on inspiring impact to make a real world difference to people's lives and the environment around us, whether it's sending probes into space or perhaps finding new ways to treat cancer. We support university-based research, innovation and skills development in astronomy, particle physics, and many, many more. We provide access to world-leading large-scale facilities across a range of physical and life sciences, enabling research, innovation, and skills training. We help ensure a future pipeline of skills and enthusiastic young people by using the excitement of our sciences to encourage wider take-up of STEM subjects in schools and among students. If it comes to our values, um, as an organisation, we promote and believe in collaboration, especially through work in partnership with the UK's diverse community. We believe in excellence to ensure quality, value for money and sustainability um, that are embedded in everything we do. We believe in innovation and we promote um, international best practice. We innovate and we take risks. Um, and as a non-profit organisation, we aim to always remain independent and objective, supporting our work, with rigorous analysis as well as fair and consistent processes. Um, our culture is based on um, our people and their well-being. We also invest in learning and development of our employees. And finally, we recognize the importance of creating networks and connections, enabling an inclusive culture, environment, and experience for everyone. Um, we operate across um, some really exciting locations. Mm -hmm. um, and to name um, um, few, will be definitely UK Astronomy Technology Centre in Edinburgh. Uh, we've got um, our corporate hub, uh, Polaris House in Swindon, Wiltshire. We've got Chilberton Observatory in Hampshire. Um, also very, very um, interesting place, that's Bobby Underground Lab in North Yorkshire. We've got Darsbury Lab based in um, Site Tech, Darsbury Campus outside Liverpool, as well as Rutherford Appleton Lab in Howell campus um, in Ditcote, Oxfordshire. Um, 
obviously the projects that I wanted to um, sort of mention today, but obviously we haven't got enough time to talk about all of the exciting <laughs> projects our organization has been involved in. But I thought I'll mention a few just to sort of give you um, a whistle stop tour. So, um, you know, we've been involved in testing and creation of the mid-infrared instrument, one of four scientific instruments on board the James Webb Space Telescope. We founded the UK team that was part of the Lux Zeppelin Dark Matter Experiment, which is world's largest and most sensitive dark matter experiment. Um, we're also um, involved in the world's most powerful laser, Vulcan 2020, uh, and that will be built um, at SDFC's central laser facility at RAL in Ditcott. Uh, we also contributed to the upgrade of a particle accelerator at CERN. Um, if it comes to opportunities that we've got to offer in the early career sector, uh, we are recruiting across a wide range, a range of disciplines. We're talking physics, chemistry, mechanical engineering, electronics, life sciences, microelectronics, finance, accounting, public engagement, project management, estates, and many, many more. Um, some of our recruiting departments that worth mentioning, um, Stephanie Aztec, which is Accelerator Science and Technology Centre, Center, our famous central laser facility, um, Scientific Computing Department, Digital Infrastructure, ISIS Neutral and Immune Source, Scientific um, Technology, including Microelectronics, to name a few. Um, our early career uh, careers opportunities uh, for 2024 intake are still live until 12th of November, but yeah. we will be going live again at the end of Jan, beginning of Feb, with some more very, very exciting roles. So should you miss this deadline for any reason, please don't worry. You can always apply at later date in the second um, part of our recruitment campaign. Okay. Uh, we offer a wide range of vacancies, um, such as graduate roles, uh, but also industrial placement, summer placements and apprenticeship. Um, for more details um, in, you know, about our graduate program and industrial placement, summer placements, apprentices, please do uh, visit our hub on, um, on GradCracker um, or specific vacancies should you be interested in any of those. Um, our early career opportunities offer you a chance to get involved in, with public engagement activities network with other graduates and placement students. You'll be exposed to exciting projects, projects and challenges from the start. We call it the real job from day one. You will collaborate with world leading engineers, technicians and scientists. You will develop working relationships that continue well after your placement um, has finished. You'll be supported throughout by us and our early careers coordinators colleagues, offering help, advice, mentoring, and the expertise you will need to ensure you benefit from a range of personal and professional development opportunities. And last but not least, you will certainly benefit from a wide range of employee benefits we've got to offer as a public sector organization. That's it really. Thank That's you. it. Well done, Marta. <laughs> you covered a lot of points there. So just to mention and um, pick up on a, a few little bits and pieces that Marta mentioned there. So um, the opportunities are currently live on the STFC hub on Gradcracker. So there's actually 54 opportunities in total um, covering lots of different disciplines like Marta just mentioned. Um, so those are internships and your graduate opportunities, all open to multiple candidates across all STEM disciplines. Um, so like Matt mentioned, covering different types of um, areas as well. So research and development, sciences, engineering, physics, diagnostics. There's definitely something for all of our STEM students who um, come on to Gradcracker. 
So just to kind of recap, the placements are all year-long placements at the moment, and they are all starting in June 2024. And like Marta says, they all close on the 12th of November um, at the moment. So make sure after this webinar, you go do your research and get your applications in. Um, the rules on GradCracker at the moment are based in either Cheshire or Oxfordshire, um, but all of the details are on the job descriptions on the, on the company hub. Um, if you cannot, for whatever reason, apply by the 12th of November, don't forget to go and give STFC um, a quick follow. And then when they do reopen their opportunities, you will get an email and push notification. So thank you, Marta. That was a good tag team. Um, what we're going to do now is meet the panel. Really excited about meeting the panel today. Um, who all found the jobs on GradCracker, all researched um, the employers on GradCracker um, before they put their applications in. So, Nasik, I'm going to start with you, my love. So, where did you go to university and what did you study? So, hello, everyone. I'm Nasik and I studied physics at the University of Manchester. And I joined the company back in May of this year, which is exactly six months ago. Yes. So, congratulations. Thanks. It's Nasik's anniversary today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Matthew, on to you. So, you've been there since August time-ish. Um, so, which university are you going to go back to and what are you studying? Uh, hi, hi, I'm Matthew. Uh, so I'm from University of York and the course I'm on is Natural Sciences specialising in Physics. So I've completed three years there and then I'm doing this year and then I, and then once this placement is done, I go back for a fourth year. And so I started, actually, I started my placement quite early. I know most people are sort of August. I started in the beginning of July. Yeah, okay. So if I could just add, we're very flexible if it comes to yeah. start dates. Um, so we offer um, um, start dates for our graduates. For example, they can start any time between June and September. Um, with some colleagues actually starting in October um, or late October, depending on when they actually graduate. So, for example, master students do attend to graduate a bit later. Therefore, we, we are more than happy to accommodate later start dates. Um, and the same with, um, um, with um, uh, industrial placement students. So we're more than happy to accommodate date earlier start date should anyone be interested super and how do they get that message across to you Madeline did they mention that on the application form so um it's um we, we discussed that um at the office stage so um uh, you know we asked this question and the start date is um to be a great always between um the, the, the applicant and the hiring team and um you know um they, we're always very very flexible and we are happy to accommodate whatever um uh, you know is sort of required Martin, okay, you. could they could they extend it at the other end as well? So say, for example, if a student said they could start in June, July um, and wasn't going back, obviously, till the September of the year after. So not could they almost have, say, longer than 12 months with you if they wanted? So it really depends. I mean, you know, um, they could potentially utilize a, a summer placement after, you know, or perhaps, yeah. you know, uh, they, um, probably worth mentioning, we've got um, a conversion scheme. Therefore, mm -hmm. anyone who is here with us for a year is more than welcome to then come back as a graduate um, uh, once they actually finish university. But certainly, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, it's a one year contract for IPs, permanent mm -hmm. contract from day one for graduates. But uh, we're always more than happy to discuss um, individual cases and and accommodate they need so flexibility is the key but it's down to the students who are applying to um tell Marta about what what you want and your wishes and things Definitely. like that perfect thank you very much Marta Yash lovely story from you so Yash and Jess have actually met before because Yash was at one of Jessica's university presentations at Swansea so family friends <laughs> so Yash I've just mentioned that you've been to, you go to Swansea University but what are you currently studying 
so I've just finished uh, second year of physics and I'll be going back for my third year after I complete my placement at STFC. Perfect. Lovely. And you enjoying your time so far at STFC? Uh, yeah, it's great. I've been working with the Vulcan laser, uh, Vulcan laser system for a while yeah. in, uh, for the past two months. And uh, I've recently started working with the EPAC team on the new laser. Fantastic. Don't tell us. Don't tell us too much. No. I'm, I'm asking you Jess's question. She's giving me the glare. And um, so, what we're going to do now—not like we have to—but break the ice a little bit more and find out your top facts um, about STFC. So, Nasik, I'm going to come and start with you. Yep. So, one interesting thing about the STFC is its collaboration with world-leading facilities across the globe, yeah. such as the Large Hadron Collider at CERN in Switzerland. And this is really good for graduates like me who may have the opportunity to complete a few month long placement at one of these facilities during my grad scheme. That's yeah, great. definitely. I'm hearing a lot of familiar um, names as well. So, we, you know, when you mentioned Innovate, uh, Medical Research Council and obviously CERN, all advertisers on Grad Cracker as well. So it's good that we keep hearing these familiar names. Um, Matthew, on to you. Tell me about your key fact. Uh, so my, my fun fact is about STFCs. Uh, site in Oxfordshire uh, and on the Harwell campus. So the Harwell campus, it actually used to be an airfield, I think in World War II, uh, so it was an RAF airfield. And then it also had the first um, nuclear reactor facility in the UK, so, something like that. Um, and the building's still there and they still do stuff with it. Yeah. Or there's, there's, there's still people working there to, I think, decommission it. So it's had, there's been science industry on Harwell for well, 60, 70, 80 years. That's a good yeah, it's an amazing set. Me and Jess have been there twice before, and it's it's, it's mind blowing how big it is as well. It's like a campus, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, you know, they are thinking it is like a campus setup. It's yeah. it's massive. Canteen is fantastic. It is fantastic. <laughs> we always talk about food. <laughs> it is fantastic, right, Yash? So, and did you tell me about your key facts? Uh, so I think the biggest um pro of working at STFC is the community you have of students every year. So this year, when coming to placement, I was expecting a bit of uh, isolation. As you know, students will feel among professionals who have already worked in the field for a long time. However, I was surprised to know how many placement students you find uh, in STFC and how many social events and how many opportunities you have to interact with these people. and basically have a sort of community while you're on this placement. It really yeah. helps uh, grow. It helps you understand, you know, how different uh, sectors of this uh, facility works. So yeah, I believe that is a very big um, addition to the experience that you have at STFC. Yeah, definitely. It's all about the culture, isn't it? And just to go back to the campus, feel like Jess has said, it is a it is a very, you know, young vibe going on as well, isn't it? Um, but thank you very much for the introduction. It's been perfect. Jess, I'm going to hand over to you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I'm excited. So, Yash, I'm going to start with you just because you're at the top of my list, not because you're my favourite, I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, could you tell us a bit more about your role? So you started already kind of introducing what you've been up to over the last three months. But yeah, go for it. Tell us everything. What have you been doing over the last few months? What have you been up to? Uh, so as uh, we have already discussed, Welcome is currently under uh, um, an upgrade. So it's converting from Vulcan system to the Vulcan 2020. So during this phase, there has been a lot of uh, involvement in the dismantling of it so that there can be room for the new system. 
So um, a bunch of our bunch of placement students at Vulcan have been uh, dedicated to the, the dismantling and um, cataloging of optics mechanics that uh, were used in the previous system and essentially improve on it as um, you know, we're making room for the new uh, laser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that has been something that has uh, been going on at uh, Vulcan. On EPAC side, uh, since it's the it's a laser already in progress of building up, um, it's actually quite contrasting to Vulcan. I've been setting up optomechanics. Um, I have been doing a lot of research on gratings, particularly, uh, and how you can clean them inside a vacuum. So that has been my focus of research in the past um, month or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, it's been an amazing experience and definitely a very new challenge. I can imagine. And what's it like to get this kind of hands-on experience working on these kind of projects, like you say, you know, working on these lasers, working on these vacuums, you know, I'm assuming, sorry, Swansea, if I'm wrong, but you don't have anything like that on campus at your university. So to have that experience and to be working on these kind of machines and working in this kind of environment must be absolutely so exciting. Oh, definitely. So um, one of the big advantages of being on placement is that you have a lot more hands-on experience than mm. that you have during university. Universities do have laboratory settings where you can essentially have a ha hand at, you know, um, handling oscillos oscilloscopes or working with lasers in some setting or the other. Even Swansea has a course uh, where you're working with laser systems and essentially un understanding how modern lasers work. However, yeah. it is quite contrasting to see it working in a facility this big, because yeah. obviously there are problems, there are limitations. They're quite different from what we might experience in a very uh, controlled lab setting. Mm -hmm. um, with EPAC especially, my research project is completely based on the fact that EPAC is a very high-powered system. In, in a university setting, this might not be a bottleneck for certain students or certain experiments, which might not lead us to investigate this problem in the first place. So I believe that working in uh, STFC and this placement has definitely given me a more, uh, more in-depth perspective on how, you know, on, on the job research looks like. Already just in those three months then, Yash, by the sounds of it, you've learned a lot whether it be you kind of those soft skills, you know, working as part of a team or that technical knowledge already. Would you find that um, in terms of going back to university, how you can see yourself applying those skills and applying that knowledge? And, you know, are you, are you thinking about the future just yet? Uh, so, yes, uh, my uh, my plan for the future is definitely getting a um, doctorate in the next few years and uh, being a full-time researcher. Mm -hmm. And as I see it, uh, the placement has actually improved my chances of performing better at university because once you see these things in more practical sense, it's yeah. more it's easier to understand the theory and the mathematics that uh, goes on. Um, yeah. And I believe that in you know in a university setting, it really helps when you can visualize a system and essentially um, you know see what the end result would look like. And yeah. yeah, I believe that it's going to really ex uh, enhance my experience in that perspective. In addition to that, I would also say that it will it has helped me decide uh, what I like about the physics world and what I want to pursue further. 
So yeah. yeah, it's given me a perspective on my options as well. And that's a, the perfect reason why to do a placement as well. You know, for you as an individual, for you to make that decision and get that experience, to think actually my interests lie here and my, my passions are here, which is fantastic. So when you kind of go on to apply that in the future. So perfect, Josh. Really, really exciting. Um, Matthew, I'm going to come to you next, if that's okay. Um, similar question. What is life been like for you so far, STFC? Yeah, no, it's been been really enjoyable. I'm also STFC and like RAL especially, it's such a nice place to work. I know you meant you mentioned a few minutes ago that it's on a campus. So mm. y- yes, it is a, a job, but you are also on a campus. So it has like there are like societies and there is mm-hmm. also the social side, which is quite similar to what a university has. Yeah. I think that for some people will be is yeah, it is that makes easing that transition from going from university into like I know the real world that everyone says it certainly makes that transition much easier yeah that's a really good point because I think sometimes that is the the nervous bit isn't it you know stepping out into an environment which you know never been in before so in terms of your day job then Matthew what's it looking like for you so it looks like you're obviously in the office today yeah and tell us a bit about uh, what's a kind of day in the life of Matthew like so I'm, so I'm working for. I'm also working for the central laser facility, like Yash, but I'm not in the same group. So Yash is in Vulcan. I'm in a group called Kauter. Okay. So, um, so the the main job of Kauter is kind of fundamental research into lasers, to make laser systems that have a higher energy output, which means how much energy is in the laser beam. And a higher repetition rate, which means how many times can the laser beam fire a second, say. Um, and then the, the point of that is that counter do all this research to make sure that the rest of the central laser facility is equipped with these high tech lasers. And also, I don't know too much about it, but some other some of the lasers also get sent to other companies elsewhere. So my my the project that I'm doing is so I have an, there'll be a, a setup in a lab of optics like a laser going through going through some optics and then the laser beam hits a mirror and then it scatters off the mirror uh, okay. or it's transmitted so my my role my my job is that i'm currently writing a code so that we can then automate this whole setup so so that when i click once i've written the code i can and we've set all the apparatus up i can click go and then a camera is going to go around this mirror taking measurements and that it, it will all be automated as as opposed to a person taking the measurement, moving the camera, taking another measurement, moving the camera, because yeah. and it and that that makes it that makes the precision much better, and it also makes it much quicker. Yeah. So currently, so Matthew, sorry, sorry, go on. What is it that you? This sounds really stupid, and everyone's going to probably laugh when I say it. But what are you lasering? Like, what is it that you're trying to achieve? What is the experiment? If I'm allowed to ask. Um. So. So this is this is to kind of get a profile of how much light is being scattered off this mirror and at what angles. And where this goes is that these mirrors are then going to go and be incorporated into larger laser systems. Because if you've got if you've got light sort of reflecting off of a laser at unwanted angles, so not in the direction where the laser beam's going, then basically that energy is getting wasted. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it, if you can get it also like scatter in the direction you want it to, it it makes the whole laser system more efficient. Right. Okay. 
yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I'm there, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so where's where I am with it at the moment? Yeah. So I'm still. I'm. I'm right. The code to automate the setup is I'm using LabView four, and that's something I've never done before. So that's a new skill I've learned. Uh-huh. And then, um, so I'm. I'm not that far away from finishing the LabView script. So, so most of my time has been doing that on a computer. I've been in the lab a bit, but then once this is once the script is ready. I will then be going into the lab much more to actually use it. Matthew, how do you find the lab? Do you enjoy working in the lab? Yes, and it's also it's much, um, it's a much kind of fancy, well, more high tech physics lab than I've ever been in before. Right. So okay. you get lot. So you, the, the, yeah, the experience of being in a lab like that is not something I have got at uni. Mm, absolutely so in kind of a typical day then what's the kind of teams that you're working in do you find yourself working on this project on your own you know kind of manipulating the, the experiment in a such a way and then taking back your findings and working on it again are you is there a huge group of you how does how does it work so you kind of get a bit of both so the team i'm in is quite a well the team size is about sort of 10 to 15 probably maybe right. a bit more but then everyone sort of has everyone sort of doing their own thing, but then periodically has to then go and you know do something with another person. Yeah. But so also um, for for people for people on a, for industrial placement students, you'll have a line manager who you'll be working with very closely. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of the main person that you'll be working with a lot of the time. Right, and, right. and then, but you, there is a lot. There's a kind of a good mix of sort of working on your own and then working in teams. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Thanks, Matthew. Nasik, I'm going to come to you. Absolutely. Um, last but absolutely not least, as I was about to say. Um, tell us a bit about what life is like for you. So as a graduate, um, knowing now that this is it for the next couple of years, how does it feel joining STFC um, as a graduate? I think it's been really good yeah at the stfc in particular because i know that for so first of all my role is a scientific software engineer and i know that at many different at many other facilities or many other software engineering roles your job is quite uniform in the in the process every single day is quite is almost the same but at, at this facility because we're focused on innovation so much your your week to week your month to month and your year to year will vary a lot so you've you've always got many new challenges that constantly appear. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things are going to evolve over the next few years. Absolutely. So from your background, then I would say, tell me if I'm wrong, but say something like a company like STFC might not have been an obvious kind of career path for you because of the things that they're doing and everything else. So why, as a computing student, was STFC a yes for you in terms of applying to their graduate positions? So actually, I started off as a physics graduate. And it was at the end of my master's, which involved a lot of computing and machine learning. And that was applied in a lot of innovative scientific areas. Right. And at the end of that, I realized... I really enjoy the physics side of things, but I also really enjoy the software engineering side of things. So yeah. I basically mashed them two t- together and quite luckily I found a job that was a scientific <laughs> software engineer role. So it worked out pretty well for me because to find a role that does exactly that at different places is quite difficult. Mm. And there aren't many places, especially that are in the UK at least. 
hundred percent. That is amazing. So in terms of, um, you know, you're saying as well, you know, where your career could potentially end up with FCFC is completely open. You know, almost, you almost don't know where you're going to be because that thing might not even exist just yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of like, you know, the new things um, that are coming on, you know, into the market at the moment, things like AI and things like that, are you seeing that um, being a, a big influence in your role at the moment? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm working on uh, s- several projects, one of which will slowly converge into an AI-based project. And over, yeah, so that will occur over the next several months. So it's interesting to see as yeah. how quickly the AI field is integrating mm-hmm. into the software engineering or into you know a practical application of AI. Yeah. And I think that's a really it, I think that's a great thing to see because it means that you're always kept on your toes. And so as someone that really enjoys learning, I'll always have something new to find and um, yeah, take part in. Absolutely. So Matthew, you know, you said when you were doing your testing um, and almost getting the computer to kind of work, do the workings for you as well. Is that what you're using? Are you using an AI system? No. No. Okay. Um, uh uh no my mine mine is more kind of you 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 write the code and then run it the i, see. I guess an, i'm not really an expert but an ai would imply that i don't know there's some other entity that's writing yeah. it um mm. no you're in full control of that yeah i see no that's fine interesting just wanted to see if there was a cross over there so in terms of your um kind of day-to-day projects then nasik you know what is it looking like for you you know what are you working on at the moment and how long are you working on this project for? So I work on about three main projects. So just to give a little bit of background for one of those projects, the accelerator in-house is currently undergoing an upgrade over the next several months. Yeah. So before the new equipment can be used, you have to undergo, it has to undergo a process known as beam conditioning, which can be done really effectively and efficiently using software. So I'm currently developing software to do that. And like Matthew that software is all about the automation. It's about improving the amount of uh, reducing the amount of time it takes to do this process, because in the past it's been done manually, and that process is long and arduous. So, mm-hmm. if we can automate it, then it saves everyone time and it improves the process overall. And it can also protect the different pieces of equipment from getting damaged because there are a lot of yeah, there's a lot of details which need to be considered before you can do a process like beam conditioning safely yeah um sorry yeah there's an i have another project as well which is um simulating the entire accelerator from the perspective of the user and we call it the virtual accelerator and once that's complete a lot of scientists will be able to test their ideas and applications on the virtual accelerator as opposed to the real one and that will save everyone a, a bunch of time because right now a bunch of scientists will need to book time on the machine yeah. and that can be, and time is just not given away freely. So mm. if they have the virtual accelerator to work on and if it behaves exactly the same as the real one, then they get to test their ideas out on that one before moving over to the real one. And that project will take several months, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's also an open-ended project. So right. it could just start expanding as we go. So I did mention that we have that it is converging towards towards an AI project. So we do have some machine learning f- physicists within our group, Aztec, and they'll be involved in making that happen, really. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about machine learning then. So it, did you find then if you got an interest in that, you could cross over into those different areas as well with the projects? You know, if you said, oh, you know, you started working with a certain team, thought I'm really interested in that. Could you gravitate towards those particular teams and those groups and those experiences as well? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I was already offered to work on that by my manager about, about a month ago. And I've said, yes, I'll be interested, but I still want to stay on the software side because as you might know, machine learning is a, just a huge field yeah. and yeah, you don't want to just step into an area which, without knowing too much into it. So yeah. I'm just dipping my toes into it uh, over the next several months and I'll feel how it is. And that's the great thing about working here that I can just find different teams and ask if I can work with them as long as I'm not taking on too much work. And um, uh, yeah. if, if I could just add quickly, so part of our program, so within those two years, the initial two years of your program, you actually get a chance to complete like a placement um, mm -hmm. in a team um, um, of your choice um, or department of your choice. And that's where um, our grads sort of get a chance to approach the teams, perhaps choose a, a field or, you know, um, a team that they want to work with, um, which obviously then broadens um, your horizons, because that yeah. also means that perhaps one day in the future, you might be able to join them, you know, uh, based on your experience from that um, that time within those two years but also so for example in Nasik's case when he finishes his um uh, sort of the, the initial uh, two years of his program um the graduate part of the job title simply disappears and now graduates just yeah. become software engineers so from a graduate software engineer it just becomes a software engineer and just continues in the role or you know um uh, looks for something different within the organization and as we know um, the opportunities are sort of endless really Absolutely. Right, so I'm going to stick with you on a quick question, actually. So say, for example, if there is any students that are listening that are from a computing background and thinking, wow, I've never considered STFC, but I'm definitely considering it now. Would the student or if there's any reservation from the student feeling like, oh, I don't really have a science background. I'm like, Nasik, you know, you've obviously had a, your physics experience. Would that matter to you as a recruiter? Certainly not. And, um, you know, uh, what we're looking for is obviously, um, it, you know, um, we know where everyone is in their career as well. So, you know, we, we, we're we more than open to to offer chances to people that perhaps want to change their career completely. So, mm -hmm. you know, our our um, programme is actually open um, from um, last year, which I was I was very proud um, of achieving, you know, amongst obviously my team members. We actually managed to, to get to the point where the year of graduation doesn't actually count as a pre-screening mm -hmm. question therefore we are more than open to to students you know um different ages different backgrounds so you know the um diverse group of applicants and we've seen the increase of uh you know students um, or grad sorry that perhaps uh, finished um you know a good few years ago but they decided to join mm -hmm. the graduate scheme and it's and it's amazing yeah, that's really good. That's a, a good a kind of overall thought as well. So it almost doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your your previous experiences, you know, as long as there's an interest there, um, you can absolutely get your applications in, which is Definitely. good. Um, I was going to kind of touch a bit upon next uh, kind of rotations and projects and Yash and Matthew just covering kind of the placement opportunity then. Um, I'll stick with you, Yash, then Matthew, you can add to this. In terms of what does the year placement kind of rotations look like then? Um, how can you pick and select, again, the, the teams and the projects that you're going to be working on? And Yash, I'll let you answer that first. Um, so actually, I'm a bit unclear on what you just asked. I'm assuming you meant like, uh, like the student rotations every year? Um, yeah, so when you're out on on your placement now, how can you pick and decide what's the ne next project that you want to work on? 
Okay, so that depends a bit on what your line manager currently has to offer for you. So it, it is a little dependent on that. In my case, um, my line manager came up to me and said, uh, Yash, we have this project. Would you be interested in joining it? Yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, I was very keen to see, you know, where this research went. So I took it up. However, uh, what can also happen is that someone else in your department might also have something that you might have an interest in. So it comes it comes down to a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of uh, approaching people. Mm -hmm. um, I personally believe that the more you ask people if there's you know something you can contribute in, the more chances you have of you know coming across an opportunity that you might just not want to miss. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of how the project situation works. Um, it is also important to understand that some projects take shorter time compared to others. Yeah. So you have to understand that, you know, there might be some projects that might only go on for like maybe two or three weeks. Like it's a simple thing. However, there are some projects that can take up to four to six months, depending on, you know, what kind of research you find. So, yeah, I think those are a few things that the um, project, you know, uh, different projects could come up with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Yash. Matthew, have you got anything to add to that? Have you got your journey kind of similar in terms of where you could go next and the projects you can be working on? Yeah, because as you mentioned, kind of rotations and kind of when when I hear like rotations in like a job, I, I kind of think of you have this project which you're going to do for five months and then you're going to do this next mm -hmm. one for the next five months. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really use that word to describe it. It's more so for me, for example, I've I've got my so my project with automating this setup and then then I'm going to eventually do that is more actually going to go into the lab and, and use this automation. It's more kind of, so that's my project. And then we'll just kind of, we'll, we'll see where that goes and we'll see how long that takes. And if that takes the whole year, it takes a whole year, or if it only takes the first six months and that is kind of done. I'll move on with something else. But off with projects, they're often very open ended. I mean, like, because well, research is, yeah. is usually you, you'll start with something and then you'll just do as much of it as you manage. You just basically you'll see where you end up going. Mm -hmm. Something I've also done though, because the kind of the key things I've wanted to get out of my placement, I mean, this kind of will it probably links more to a later question because I wanted to get some, get a bit better at coding. Uh, so LabVIEW is coding, but LabVIEW is graphical. I also wanted to do something like MATLAB. So I did just go around and ask some other people in the office, do you have any kind of sort of bits of jobs or like data analysis I could do for you that I could do in MATLAB so that I can learn it? And then someone said, oh, yeah, yeah, honey, could, could you do this for me? And so I've also been doing a bit of that on the side. So yeah. it is really open-ended. If, if, there's, if there's specific things you want to learn, like specific skills, you can go and ask people and uh, can I, is there anything I can do for you that I can learn? so that I can learn this with and definitely you can do things like that. So that interest to code then, Matthew, is that started from being at STFC or did you just say, like you say, you wanted to get it that experience out of doing the placement as well? Um, Kind of, well, my kind of, I've always, is a, I mean, coding is a really useful, if you want to be a scientist, which I do, and in any kind of industry like STFC, especially coding such a useful skill, it's not something I'd ever actually done at uni. Huh. Um. And that's, but now I've, 
after being here for three months, I now feel very confident with it. And I feel like I've got to this kind of, I wouldn't say really advanced level, but I've got to this kind of foundation level from which I feel like I can go on and learn. I, do, I don't worry that I can't code because okay. I, now I can. Whereas before coming here, I actually did. Right. Okay. Yeah. From like from like an employability point of view, I, I, it was something I actually thought, I, I can't do that. But yeah. now that's completely gone. Interesting though. Sorry, Matt, just throw it back to you for a second. When you're looking at these applications then, again, if there's someone sat here watching this, thinking a bit how Matthew was feeling before he applied, it's okay not to have those experiences, not to necessarily know MATLAB, not necessarily to know much about coding lang- you know, different languages at all. You that's, that's what we're here for. You know, it's a non-profit mm. public sector organization, and that's the feel you get, and I we get, and I hope you do as well. That we all work towards a yeah. bigger sort of goals, you know. Mm. And um, that's why you know there is no sort of a target date on Matthew set by his line manager because they know that one project will lead to another, and so on. You know, they cooperate with so many universities, you know, um, different international bodies that you know um, that that skill will always uh, you know be useful. And and I'm sure you know Matthew will be able to utilize what he's learned in the future. Mm. And I always believe having um, SDFC or Ikari, you know, any of our councils in your CV is such a massive thing, you know. And I do understand that many of our um, industrial placement students, and as much as we would love them to come back as grads, sometimes they choose a slightly different path and that's okay. Sometimes the international students are simply stay in their home country, for example, but um, they're in touch and they let us know how useful um, and um, how much the SDFC experience helped them um, in the future. So uh, certainly I've seen some um, amazing achievements, you know, um, from our industrial placement students. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's just amazing it's just amazing to be a part of it really and you know for, for us um hr um uh, team you know we might not necessarily understand everything that you know um our students our applicants tell us about in the interviews but just listening to those fantastic achievements and such a mm. you know um such an early stage in their career is just so encouraging and and um that it probably would be one of my um hints and tips that i prepared for you guys today <laughs> don't be afraid to share them because yeah. we've 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 heard some fantastic stories about people building telescopes from um I don't know cardboard just to just to witness that one particular um uh, you know um uh, one particular night um sort of um event in the astronomy you know it's just amazing and I think from our perspective I love these HR interviews because. I, I sort of I love I love to sort of be a part of it and listen to mm-hmm. uh you know um to what they've got to to tell us about really. Absolutely. And Matthew, just going back to you for a second then. So it sounds as though you've learned a lot in the last three months. You say, you know, you I know you're saying you're at foundation level, but to say where you were, say this time last year, your skill set has completely, you know, changed and you've adapted massively. So in terms of kind of going back to your projects I've gonna I've gonna say rotations but I'm not gonna say <laughs> going back to your projects do you find then now because you're gaining that confidence you're gaining that momentum are you going to lead more towards in terms of doing those projects that do have some kind of computer science kind of software coding um influence in them I, I suppose I might do and I always used to kind of shy away from those words like <laughs> <laughs> um um yeah, but I think I'm, so I do very much want to be an experimental scientist. But actually, mm-hmm. yeah, but I would say that having just been here, it has given me a lot more confidence to 
go into things to incorporate the more coding and kind of software side of side of things uh yeah i got loads more confidence with that absolutely it's incredible and you know again naively i didn't think it's obvious when you say it really how important software is going to be in all your all of your roles it's stupid and very naive for me to think that it it wasn't going to be really i thought again you kind of just doing the hands-on experiments but of course it will be um nazik i'm going to come to you with a question that's really quite open-ended, but I'm just hoping you're going to come out with some gem here. <laughs> so, but no pressure. Where do you think, especially in your role, you know, almost now if you are kind of like the heart of it now because you're the forefront of change, you're, you know, changing and adapting lots of different areas of the business now. Where can you see all of this going, say, in 10 years' time? And where do you see yourself going in the future with that SDFC? Yeah, that, that is quite a loaded question. Um, <laughs> so t- 10 years in the future, it's almost impossible to predict. Mm, I think yeah. one of the main things that we've seen is the advancements in machine learning. Yeah. And a lot of effort has been um, put in at the SFC for developing AI solutions to things that have been done manually in the past. Yeah. And the main thing, the, one of the main benefits from that is you can reduce things like bias. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of if you if you have a machine learning model or something that's trained on several years worth of data, it can be just as good as a senior physicist who's been working on that who has been working on that same data. Okay. So what you essentially get is the exact same thing as a senior uh, scientist but as a model which is completely malleable, you can use it in many different circumstances and you can get a lot more data a lot more quickly from it. So I think that in the next 10 years, the rate at which science advances will be much, much more quickly because scientists in general will be able to test their ideas out in a fraction of the time. Yeah. I think that will be the main benefit that we'll see. So it could, it will probably accelerate uh, discoveries and, um, yeah, just all, all aspects of research, really. Yeah, because when you were saying it, I was thinking, oh, gosh, could this be almost a negative on Matthew and Yash in terms of their careers in the future? They don't need us anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, that was awful. That is what I was thinking. I was thinking, but no, because you're the ones that will be coming up with the idea. Mm-hmm. It's the AI that's going to give the answer quicker. It doesn't scare yeah. you, Matthew, does it? No, uh, he didn't. No, no. Until he started talking. <laughs> not, not until you mentioned it, though. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't. No, that's not something I would worry about. It's always evolving, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. like, when you think about technology 10, 15 years ago and look at it now, and you never think 10, 15 years ago that technology would be like it is now. So it's it's just like a constant evolution, isn't it? And I think it's all like it's it's always changing and evolving, but it never actually comes in the way you think it's going to. Mm. That's a good point. Sorry, Yash, I interrupted you. Sorry, I've come. What was you going to say? Sorry? Was you going to say something earlier? Did I interrupt oh, you? No, I was fine. <laughs> you no, sure? I, was, I was just going to agree with that. I was going to say, like, uh, as, like, scientists, the role never really goes away. It just kind yeah. of evolves. So in, these, in, in, in this age, it has come to the point where you're kind of, like, working hand-in-hand hand with technology for yeah. uh, progress. And I feel like... Um, 
even though like uh, software has done a lot of automation in the field, there's obviously still aspects like research and creativity that uh, you know, will require a human touch. So yeah, yeah I, I believe that software and, um, you know, scientists should be going hand in hand, not like, I don't think yeah. there's going to be a lot of replacement going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think it's something I've just thought of. When you're saying about kind of simulations and maybe kind of you know, AI that play, that will play a bigger role in performing simulations, uh, it, it can never replace actual experimental you have to have both of them it can supplement mm. it and it can it means that you can try ideas out in your simulation say you're simulating like a, a big laser system or a particle accelerator because they're the real thing is very expensive and there may only be a few in the world mm. so you know if everyone who wanted to not everyone who wants to use it can use it so it, obviously you can you can go to your simulation to you know to get your get these ideas quickly and get these preliminary results but you can't completely simulate everything and account for everything mm. you they, you're always going to have to try it for real yeah but exactly. i don't th i don't think there's any danger of it kind of replacing experimental experimentalisms and i think um, you you said it you said people will come up with these ideas this and it, the ai will make you get to the answer quicker potentially yeah um, I, so, yeah, exactly I, is, I completely it? agree with Matthew on what he was saying. As somebody that prefers traditional programming over mm -hmm. AI, but still needs to be connected to AI or machine learning in some capacity, I, I think it's really important to recognize that the AI aspect is just one component. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of components that go around that, which is which can't be replaced. So it's yeah. more about using these tools to benefit us, but it does it have the ability to completely replace the other components? Yeah, it's like a supplement, isn't it? Like a grad cracker, we've got the web team who build everything, they do everything themselves, but then they use AI to, to help them as an assistant, as a supplement yeah. to what they're doing. And I think it's it's the combination of both, isn't it? That makes the perfect answer, really. Yeah, it's a machine, isn't it? You know, going that mm. everyone's a cog, aren't they? And, yeah, you know, exactly. Not going to move. But I think in fact, are we staying here then till four o'clock? Because <laughs> <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say as well that it's um I've been um um in the organisation for it'll be um almost uh, four years actually soon. But um but I've seen so many changes and in response to you know um you know that sort of technology development you know we've got a newly opened uh, national quantum computing center uh or you know the scientific computing department with supercomputers on site that always sort of impress um our applicants when they come to assessment mm. centers to site and they get to see all that um amazing stuff happening there so i think you know um the organization sort of responding to all these new challenges yeah. and 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 it's pretty pretty obvious as well that they don't want it <laughs> Paula, i'll hand back to you before i take any more time <laughs> just for golf no tangent so no. what i'm going to do now is i wouldn't mind actually just talking to you all about um extracurricular things that you do outside of the day job just so people have got a, a full um, circle of what you get up to so Nancy, I'm going to start with you so aside from what you do as a, as a grad what other things do you get up to um so in my my personal life I like to do some basketball as a sport but well yeah. when the weather's a little bit better and, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I also it's most of the things most of the time I just like hang out with my friends yeah. And also, I'm learning a language on the side, which is quite fun. 
Interesting. What language? Uh, Arabic. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. And and keeping it into SCFC again. So is there anything that you do um, outside of your day job with your with your team? Any sporting activities? You could set up mm-hmm. a basketball team there as well. Yeah. Um, so there's quite a lot of socials that go on at the yeah. SCFC. So we have a cake club, a book club, and there's also a badminton club. I think there are some other little um, sports that uh, there, but I've not really checked them out. And those yeah. occur on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. On a monthly basis, there are some socials just for the graduates. So mm-hmm. in fact, tonight, there's a game night where people are bringing in their consoles, board games, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. we also have a gym on site. So there's plenty of things to do with the other graduates uh, as part okay. of the SGFC. Super. Thank you very much. What we're going to do now is move on to you, Marta, if you don't mind. Um, so obviously, we've inspired students, graduates to apply to the STFC opportunities, which are currently on Gradcracker. Um, so as mentioned before, they're all listed on your hub. What is the application process? What can students expect? So um, once you obviously find a role or perhaps, um, you know, yeah. roles, uh, multiple roles that you're interested in, you can go ahead and start the application process. And, uh, you know, um, obviously, Grat Cracker is a perfect place to 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 to, to start. Now, um, please do remember they can only apply for a maximum of two roles. Right. So okay. That's something um, of sort of worth remembering. Otherwise, you will hear from our um, colleagues in the pre-screening team asking um, what roles you want to you want to actually continue with. Um, yeah. So um, if you were to apply for a graduate program and um, the process is um, um, not as um, long, I would say, as last year, mm-hmm. uh, because we actually managed to remove the SHL testing uh, for majority of our roles, um, and only a few of them decided to keep that particular stage of the process. So if you were a graduate, you would obviously um, be asked to submit a CV and cover letter uh, with your application, and then uh, managers would shortlist after closing date. We would then, uh, shortlist candidates would then be moved to a video interview stage. After video interviews, there'll be another um, shortlisting um, meeting meeting um, and um, those candidates shortlisted uh, after that meeting would be then invited to assessment center on site mm-hmm. um, assessment centers are just a great um, uh, day really for all of us we love um, organizing those they are sort of not as formal as you would probably picture them uh, mm-hmm. they uh, you know you stay with us we obviously provide um, 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 you know lunch and um, and you just stay with us uh, probably between I would say 9 and 3 p.m the latest mm-hmm. um, you uh, take part in Q&A session with current graduates, which is great um, opportunity for you to ask questions and sort of, uh, you know, um, um, and discuss um, the roles with them. And there is also a HR interview with uh, one of us, so our colleagues from the HR team, as well as a technical interview, as we call them, with the panel. So the the hiring manager and and, and the colleagues from the team. Now, if you were um, an industrial placement student, it would be a very similar process of CV and cover letter with the application, video interviews, and then you go straight to final in, um, stage interviews. So there is no assessment center for our industrial placement students. And um, okay. some of them actually uh, do not require video interviews. They just depending on sort of number of applications that we receive. And um, mm-hmm. if you are a summer placement student, um, that process is, uh, is um, sort of um, even more simple. So you've got CV and cover letter with your application, final stage interview, and hopefully offer after those. So, um, if I could, um, um, obviously, um, also summer placements uh, will open Jan, so you'll see all yeah. our summer placements sort of end of Jan, beginning of Feb, and they'll be open um, until probably end of March. Uh, yeah. If I could advise everyone not to leave the application till last minute, because some of the, the roles um, can close a bit early, depending on how popular these are. Um, yeah. 
if I could move on to hints and tips. I was just going to go there. Yes, you said something. You said something earlier on about mentioning like the projects that you've worked on or your interests that you really like to hear about. So tell us anything else, any more hints and tips that you'd like to give. Definitely. So I would definitely advise you to utilise your uni career services because they often offer the cover letter and CV writing skills assessment centre interview mm-hmm. workshops. Um, obviously read through job adverts carefully. Make sure yes. you familiarise yourself with the essential criteria of the recruiting team department um, and the sort of overview of the role and um, make sure you save the job adverts because quite often you might apply for you know a multiple roles and uh, when we speak to to applicants they they can't um, um always remember yeah, <laughs> where we're calling sense. from uh, what role is that for so always save those job adverts uh, for future reference so they will help you prepare yourself for the interviews mm-hmm. and make sure you always submit your civilian cover letter otherwise you will be chased by us yeah. <laughs> um and incomplete application sadly after the closing date will have to be um obviously um they won't be taken into consideration sadly so please do remember to submit cv and cover letter i would definitely advise to um, make your cover letter role specific yes, so quite okay. often we we notice that uh, you know you guys produce one cover letter and uh, these are usually great however they don't necessarily um uh, address the role that you're applying for and it's always seen as a as a as a positive by hiring team so please do uh, mention the role and perhaps a bit um about what you know about that particular role and and maybe projects they're involved in um use confident language to convey your skills and experience don't be afraid to sort of sell yourself in a way where you know you you make yourself stand out from from the crowd because don't forget yeah. you're all in a, a very similar um at a very similar stage of your career so make sure you you're not um, um afraid to to share uh, your achievements and projects that you've worked on um spell check and proofread please yes. <laughs> very important very important um, make sure you check your content details and um, yeah. i would advise um against the um university email addresses because don't forget uh they sort of um um, um stop working at some point after yeah. you graduate so i'll certainly create an email address for applications or use your private one not the university one just to make sure uh we can contact you hopefully with some good news <laughs> once you apply um <laughs> Do your research on the organisation, the team, department, yeah. if possible. With SDFC, we're very transparent, so you can find everything on our website, our Grant Cracker Hub. So please yeah. do do your research. You might not know uh, much about the team, but the organisation um, and, you know, few projects. I'm sure that will be seen as a, as a massive advantage by, by the panellists. Yeah. Um, check deadlines, as I mentioned earlier. I wouldn't wait till last minute, although some of yeah. the best applications arrive um, sort of before midnight <laughs> on the closing day. But um, I would um, certainly apply as early as you can see the role, just in case um, some of them close earlier. If you need reasonable adjustments, please don't be afraid to ask and speak to us as soon um, as you apply. So uh, to give us enough time to make these reasonable adjustments for yourself, should you need them. Um, Be prepared that you could be asked to complete a five to 10 minute presentation. Take your time answering questions. And again, don't be afraid if you need a little pause or a break, or if Mm -hmm. you need time to, to perhaps think about the question and then get back to it. Um, and ask questions. So I always give you guys, yeah. and I know panelists do as well in the technical interviews, time to ask questions because mm-hmm. we are there for you. And you have to remember that this is an opportunity for you uh, to check if the employer is a good fit. So, um, so yeah, I would say just talk to us, stay in touch, communicate, and 
yeah all the best in your applications perfect and yeah good luck everybody then when you put your applications together so don't forget deadline is the 12th of november so there isn't much time left so make sure you go to the stfc hub after this webinar follow and apply and do your research like master said and um, but thank you everybody for joining us today it's been brilliant really insightful definitely excited for the applications that Marta and her team are going to get through grad cracker and um, join me and jess next week Thursday at two o'clock where we're joined by WSP. But thank you very much everybody and we shall see you all soon. Thank, thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.